0: You can turn in your Bibles. We're going to be over in the Book of Daniel. We told you last week what our topic was, but we have a special thing here for you. We, uh, as we were talking last week, we mentioned Evil Knievel, Daredevil's things and stuff like that that uh, they might do. If any of you want to go back up there and don't know who Evil Knievel is, it's spelled with an E-V-E-L, not Evil. But uh, anyway. We we came up with a list here of uh, six things never to do in church. First off, no matter how much of a daredevil you are, don't try these things in church. First off, never ask an usher to break a 20. (laughs) Never do a cannonball in the baptismal tank. Never hold a church business meeting on Super Bowl Sunday. Never tell the pastor we love your church and we might even come back next Easter. During youth group activities never bungee jump off the church steeple or play chicken with the church bus. And here's my favorite one. After a soloist of impressive size sings love lifted me don't follow with the hymn It Took a Miracle. (laughs) So just to help you out some things. Some things you shouldn't do in church. (laughs) Uh, Last week we were looking at at, uh, Gapology, we called it. Studying the gap between what we have been called to do, what we have been given, and how we are to take from where we are to where we're supposed to be. There's a gap there. And we looked at some people that had to bridge this gap. Abraham, of course, was called the father of many, yet he had no children. So there's a gap there. God said, I see you as a father of many, but he had no kids. There's a gap. How do we close that gap? Last week, we looked at uh, Israel when they came up to Canaan. God says, I have given you the land, but yet they were outside of Canaan and they saw themselves as outsiders and that they were going to lose. There was a gap there. We looked at David. We saw that David was called to be king, but he wasn't king yet. We saw that David saw himself as a great warrior and went out and fought a lion, fought a bear, And then eventually even fought Goliath. Even though his own family didn't believe him, didn't believe his stories, and never saw him as that king, they looked down upon him. Even after he was called, he was still sent back out to the sheep. He was not elevated to that. But boy, when Daniel got before the king and he saw the opportunity, he stopped seeing himself as a keeper of sheep and he saw himself as a giant slayer. And he comes before the king and he says, I used to keep sheep. (laughs) Even though he just finished that morning, I used to keep my father's sheep. He saw himself as something else. He closed that gap pretty fast, didn't he? Well, we want to take a look. Take a look at this: uh, how we can close that gap for ourselves. How we can how we can take from where we are to where we're supposed to be and get there sooner. We, looked, we talked about evil Knievel last week. How he liked the jump gaps, and I, I uh, saw that his son is out there doing the, the same thing that he did. Going out there doing some some other stuff like that. But the big title titled this one, Christians Can Jump. You know, they made a movie about us white folks who can't jump. Seems like an awful lot of things we white folks can't do. You know, we can't jump, we don't have rhythm. We're just useless people, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, Christians, they can jump. They certainly can. we're going to look at how it is that we can cover that gap and span that gap and, and get in there. We're going to take a look at Daniel chapter 2. This, again, is a familiar story to you. We're not looking at anything that's unfamiliar, so the story isn't new. But we want to take a look at this in the application of hope, because the Word of God says that what are we supposed to do with our hope? Hold fast the confession of our hope without without wavering. We're not supposed to go back and forth. Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why are we supposed to do that? Because He who promised is faithful. We hold on to the hope that we have because we know that he who promised is faithful. We hold on to the promise that we're going to heaven because we believe that he who promised is faithful. We hold on to the promise that we are forgiven because we believe that he who promised is faithful. We believe that Jesus Christ is coming for his church because we believe that he who promised is faithful. But then when we get into some other areas we're not quite sure how faithful he is We get in the area of healing, restoration of relationships, meeting financial needs, getting me a job, getting me a raise, helping me take care of my family, giving me wisdom. Some of these areas we're not quite so sure about, and because we're not quite so sure about those things, we waver in our confession of hope, because we're not so sure that what he promised was faithful. A lot of people aren't even sure of what he promised. There are still a whole lot of folks out there who believe that Jesus Christ wants some people sick. And they still just believe it is a difference of doctrines of churches. That's why Jesus set up a communion. We go over that every single time we have communion here. That it's done in two parts. He even split it up. He did the bread before the supper. He did the wine after the supper. There are two separate parts. If his blood is all we need for the forgiveness of sin, why is his body involved? Only one reason you can come to it, and that's what Isaiah said. Upon his body was put our sickness, our disease. The curse was put upon him. He bore it in his body on the tree. Glory to God. We are set free. But there's still times, you know, we, we doubt that. We believe that God wants to, to take care of some things financially, but if we're down and out, if we're poor, if we, oh, we got trouble, what do we say? Well, you know, maybe God's trying to teach me a lesson. As long as you think God's trying to teach you a lesson, you're not going to get rid of it. You're not going to get rid of the thing. you got to know from the Word of God that God does not want you to have that, that God wants that away from you. God is a good God. Every good and every perfect gift comes from God. we got to hang on to that. The more we understand that, the more we can jump the gap between where we are and where God has said we can be. From where we are to where God has called us to be. Over in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Now the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. He's had dreams before because he has people who interpret dreams, but this dream was different. The king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king and the king said to them, I have had a dream and my spirit is anxious to know the dream or to understand the dream, is actually what the word should be. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation... You shall receive from me gifts, rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Now, you want to talk about a gap, here's a gap. <laughs> from utterly awful to utterly fantastic, that is a gap. And you're going to be on one side or the other. Now, there's been you know, people that have taught this story before, and some of the people have taught that the king forgot the dream. The king has not forgotten the dream. There is nothing in the context, there is nothing in the original language that would lend itself to the fact that he forgot the dream. This king knows the dream. You don't get held awake by a dream you forgot. You get held awake by a dream you remember. His sleep left him. He was anxious because he wanted to know the meaning of the dream. If you forgot the dream, who cares? How many dreams have you forgotten? You ever woke up in the middle of the night from a dream? It was kind of a, a nasty dream. and You woke up, and then you forgot what it was about. Did it keep you awake? No, you forgot it. You can't be kept awake by what you forget. You get kept awake by what you remember. And you're unsure about. So he remembered this dream. But he, he had suspicions about his wise men. They called him all kinds of other names in there. We're just calling them the wise men. You all remember the wise men that came to see Jesus? Same group of people. Same group of people. And we've taught this over at Christmas time. But you know why the wise men came to find Jesus is because of Daniel. Daniel was a wise man and the wise men had a collection of teachings and they brought all the teaching in. Daniel ascended very highly in this group and he brought in the teachings of Jesus. And this was the only group looking for the star. And the only reason they were looking for the star was because of Daniel. Daniel told them a star would appear. And they studied the stars and when they saw this unusual sign, whatever it was, they came looking. For Jesus. So this is the group. That serves the king. And they have all kinds of names there. Different groups of of them. But the group by itself overall is called the wise men. So if you tell the dream and its interpretation. You have received from me gifts, rewards and great honor. Therefore tell me the dream and its interpretation. He wants to know that they have the right to interpret it. That they're given the right interpretation. Because too many times he feels like he's been snowed. He has a dream, and they said the interpretation. He's thinking, you know, that just doesn't seem to fit. I don't know, it just doesn't doesn't seem like it's right. And this one troubled him so much, he says, I'm not going to stand for one of your weak interpretations. I want to know that you have a right to interpret this, so you've got to tell me the dream first, and then tell me the interpretation. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servant the dream, and we will give its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you would you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. In other words, you're, you're stalling. You're delaying. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, no, no, no Toby, I give you more time is what he's saying. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can give me its interpretation. This uh, you're going to make certain in my mind that you have the right to interpret it if you can tell me the dream. Now these are supposed to be a special group of people. These are supposed to be a group of people who get in. Don't just listen to a dream and hear it. They have special abilities. And they believe that they seek after the gods. Not the god, just gods in order to get these things. That's what these folks believe. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such things of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. It is a difficult thing that the king requests, and there is no other who can tell it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now, look at the next verse. For this reason... What reason? The response I just gave. For this reason, the king was angry... And very furious. Now, have you ever grown up and your mom said, I am angry at you? And then also had those times when your mom said, I am angry and I am furious with you. All right, you know, you hit a new level. This is, this is more than just being angry. So it says to the king, he was angry and very Furious, Angry was not enough to describe how upset this king was. He was angry and very furious. For what reason? Because they basically said, only the gods can tell you the interpretation of this dream and God does not reside with men. Now he's furious because he has educated these people. He has supported these people. He has put these people in a big home. He has fed them. He has clothed them. He has given them all kinds of recognition because he understood that they would hear from the gods to give the interpretation to the dreams and now they confess, God doesn't speak to us. (laughs) He's been snowed. (laughs) So he is furious for this reason because they've taken all this... They never said before, well, God doesn't speak to us as long as they're getting the money. As long as they're getting paid well. As long as they were being clothed and have all the glory and the honor and, and all the stuff that they wanted, this is good. So understand this, the king does not forget the dream. He knew the dream had great importance. And so he took this dream and he put it into another category. You must tell me the dream and its interpretation. How would the king know if they got the dream right if the king forgot the dream? And why would the Chaldeans not just go away and say, Let's come up with a really good dream, and then we'll come up with a really good interpretation and we'll be okay. Because they knew the king knew the dream. And they had to come up with the dream that was in the king's head. And he wasn't going to tell them. He had to be sure the interpretation was real. So he was angry and very furious. So the command is to put everyone to death. Even those in training. And that's what brings Daniel into the to the mix here. Everyone is gonna die. He's gonna wipe out the whole program. I put a, a kind of a sub thing on this just to kind of bring this into modern day thing. He was basically going to defund the program. But he didn't want to put anybody on unemployment, so he's gonna kill them all. So just think of it that way. He is defunding the wise men program. But you're all not going to go out there and collect unemployment. I'm going to kill you all. You're all going to be done. He's knocking out the wise men. He's knocking out the trainees. He's knocking them all out. He's getting rid of everything. He said, That's this program's not working. We're going to wipe the whole thing out. I don't know if he was planning to start over or if he just was going to give up on this. I think he was probably just going to give up on it. So the decree went out and they began killing the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. So understand the killing has begun. Daniel does not stop the killing. The killing has begun. They're already about their kill. But they're killing, I guess, the the wise men first. And they're working their way on down, maybe, to the trainees. And as they come on out, Daniel doesn't know anything that's going on. Everything seems to be pretty normal. And all of a sudden, knock at the door. "Uh, Daniel, we need you to come with us. You need to die. (laughs) What did I do? Well, you see, the, the king gave it a decree. There's an order. You all have to die. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, why is a decree for the king so urgent? Now, the word of God says he was given wisdom. And he answered wisely. How many of you, if someone comes knocking at your door and saying, I'm going to kill you. How many are saying, why is, why is this so urgent? How many are saying, Why are you going to kill me? What's the reason for you killing me? He doesn't ask that. He says, Why is the decrease, the king's decree, so urgent that we have to do this now? I mean, an hour from now I'll still die just as well. I mean, why do we have to do this now? It was a great question, because he got a phenomenal answer. If he just say why does why the king want to kill me? Because you're a wise man. Now get over here and die. Why is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the decision known to Daniel. So in order to tell him why it was so urgent, he had to tell him the whole story. And in telling him the whole story, Daniel has an idea, oh, there's a dream here. Daniel knows he is an interpreter of dreams. He knows that God has given him the ability to interpret dreams. Apparently the king does not know that that Daniel has this particular thing, but something must have been known of Daniel that he was put in this group. Not all the Jewish people were put into this group of wise men. Something unique was there about Daniel and his three friends that put them into this group. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now this is the most summarized verse of Scripture I can think of in the Word of God. Very summarized. You have absolutely no idea what happened right now. Because if the king is this mad and this furious, remember, he's angry and very furious. Because he has been told by the higher ups, the guys that are the oldest ones, wise men in there, the ones that have been in the program the longest, we don't hear from God. He is mad. He is angry with the whole group of them. And Daniel is not a wise man yet. He is in training. He's being brought up into this program and he's being taught some of the knowledge they have. He was not there with the group that were brought into the the palace and asked the question first. He has no idea what happened. He was not around there. So, Daniel is is being brought into this. Can you imagine a king who is this furious, a trainee walks into the king's presence? You think that's happening? No, you're not going to get a trainee to walk into the king's presence. He's mad at the wise men right now. The guards at the doors are not going to let a wise man in, let alone a trainee. More than likely what happened with this is he tells Ariok, look, Ariok, i got a gift in this area. You tell the king, I will not only tell him the interpretation, I will tell him the dream. Now, if you're the king and you are angry and you are very furious because the people that you are talking with said were, were de- to the king appeared to be delaying, you're stolen for time, he said. You're just trying to buy yourself some time so that I'll change the decree, right? If Daniel were to come in and say, give me some time and I'll bring you that. How many of you think the king's buying it? Come on, we're just going with what the king has said so far. You think the king's going to buy that? You think the king's going to say, oh, if you one time, Daniel, trainee, guy I have never met before, who has never given me a dream or interpretation before, from the Jewish providence that we just conquered a little while ago, Daniel, oh, if you want some time, certainly we'll give you some time. How much time would you like, Daniel? Do you need a day? Uh, two days? You just you, just tell me. How much? Do you think you're getting this from the king? No, you're not getting this from the king. Daniel has to knows better than this, and he's got to play into it. Now, there are some translations out there that I think, again, this is summarized. I think they captured a little bit better what's going on here. Here's the Bible in basic English. It says, And Daniel went in and made a request to the king to give him time, and he would make clear the sense of his dream to the king. Well, that's a little bit better. We'll, go, we'll, we'll make it clear. We'll make you understand. Here's another one. Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time to resolve the question and declare it to the king. This is the one I like the best. This is from the English Standard Version. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time, that he might show the interpretation to the king. You know what? I think that hit the nail on the head. Because if you go into the king. You say, Ariok, you go tell the king. You tell him, appoint a time. And I will report to the king. And I will tell him the dream and his interpretation. You're playing into the king. If you go into the other way and you say, You know, just give me a day. You're making the king mad. But if you go in and you say to the king, King, you point, you point a time. And the king may say, tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock. Or whatever it was that he said. But I'm pretty sure the king appointed the time. Because he's not very patient so far with other people wanting to delay. So Daniel probably says to Ariok, and Ariok probably goes into the king's presence himself about this whole thing. And Daniel doesn't see the king. That's my guess on it. Again, it's a summarized verse. But I don't think the king is, is really going to entertain Daniel at this point. He doesn't know Daniel. Daniel hasn't made a name for himself. Hasn't really done much in that way. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation or told the king to pick a time probably. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah. Made what decision known? Who decided anything? Did Daniel decide anything? What decision is it? Then know what it says? Daniel went into the house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. What decision is he making known? (sighs) Probably the decision at the time the king said, come and report 8 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever time it was. And he came and reported the decision. All right, the king said that I must report at this time and give him the dream and its interpretation. That's my guess. We get to heaven... You can find out on them right then. That they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Understand, they're not trying to save all the wise men. <laughs> who are they trying to save? Themselves. They have no love for the rest of the wise men just yet. They're mostly a bunch of idolaters who you know, serve foreign gods and do things that if they save them, great. But they're really going... out. Now, let's make sure that they don't get us in this batch here. Then the seeker was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. You know what? The seeker was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. The dream of the king was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. What is the difference between a dream and a night vision? A dream, you are asleep. A night vision, you are awake. Daniel is not sleeping. Daniel is praying, seeking after God, and as he does so, he has a vision of the dream that the king had whatever number of nights before. And after the vision, he says this prayer. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Notice he doesn't run into the presence of the king. I've got it! I've got it. Why? Probably again because the time was appointed when he would appear. And so he has until then. If it's eight AM, you don't show up early. He might be able to show up early, but all he has to do is show up on time. He may show up a half hour early and wait in the in the lobby area, or whatever, but his time is appointed. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are His and He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank You and praise You, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what what we asked of You. For You have made known to us The king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man to the captives of Judah. I have found a man. How could he even say that if Daniel was already before the presence of the king? I have found a man of the captains of Judah. Now, truthfully, he didn't find him. Daniel found him. Who will make known to the king the interpretation? The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Betheshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare it to the king. Oh, he's hearing it again you got to think, if you're the king, oh, here we go. We're going down this road again. Oh, he's ready. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. And it begins to tell the vision. Now, if you're wondering why such a great vision, and really this is not a super great vision. This is a good vision. But this vision is about all the things that will transpire in the end times in a Quick synopsis. And the reason it comes to the king is simply because if it came to Daniel, no one would ever know about it. The way to put the dream on the map was to give it to the king. The king didn't understand it and would have to find someone to interpret it. And God knew Daniel was right there. So this is God's plan all all the while. To make known this great dream that he wanted to reveal these great secrets of the end, and to elevate his servant Daniel. Because from this point on, the dreams, the visions, don't come to the king. They come to Daniel. Because this dream and his interpretation put Daniel on the map. Now, we're going to listen to what this guy has to say. But he says there is a God in heaven who who reveals secrets. What did the other guys say? Gods, they don't talk to men. Daniel says, no, there is one. There is a God in heaven, not gods. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Here's a dream. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what, what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. They're building up his ego a little bit. Which is a good thing to do if you know Nebuchadnezzar. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom ...than anyone living, but for our sakes, who make known the interpretations to the king, that you may know the thoughts of your heart. You, O king, were watching, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. The image's head was of fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, the legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream. So that was the first assignment was tell the dream. Now the king has it. You have the king's attention, because that was the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings, for the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. And whoever the children of men dwell, wherever the children of men dwell, or the beasts of the field and the birds of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them. You are all, you are this head of gold. But after you shall rise another kingdom inferior to yours. Then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And a fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, the kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so shall the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. And you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will be set up "...kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure." Now, we spent time in the past on this, on the details of all the of this. And we're not going to get into all the details of it, but simply to say this. The Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was that of gold. And from this point on, the kingdoms diminish in their glory and increase in their strength. So we have the head of gold, which is the most glorious of all the kingdoms that would be there. The the Medes and the Persians were the next kingdom that would arise after them. And they are the silver. Then we have the bronze and the bronze would be the Greek empire. After the Greek Empire, we have the Roman Empire, which is that of iron. And after the iron, after the Roman Empire, we have the one that is a culmination of clay and iron. Some people want to say there are clay nations and iron nations. I think it is more a bunch of iron nations joined together with clay. But the difference is the strength that the the latter kingdom is not held together very well. When you had Rome, you had one nation, you had one rule. And in the end times, there will be a push to try to get to one nation or one rule, one government, one rule. But they never accomplish it. In the end times, there will never be a one government system, a one world system. They push for it, but they never get there. Simply because what is holding them together is very fragile and will break in a moment. And they become individual nations again. And that's really what we're seeing here today. We have a we're, we have a lot of a big push to try and bring people together. But so easy it is for them to separate. The European Union came together. And how easy was, the, was it for some to just fall off? Or how fragile is that whole group that is there? So this is what you're going to see is trying to bring back the Roman Empire. But in the end times, you have, a, you have the nation of Israel. You have the nations of the Antichrist. And you have a third group. And these all fight with each other and war with each other. There is not one world government rule. They just push for it. And we see that push on now. And the push is very strong. But they aren't going to get there. And what happens at the end is we see this rock that is cut without human hands, which is the Lord Jesus Christ who comes and He hits the feet. But it shatters every aspect Of this kingdom. Because there were things passed down from Babylon to Chaldea. Things passed down from Chaldea to the Greeks. Things from the Greeks passed down to the Romans. And if you studied any of those histories, you know that many parts of the previous empire passed on into the next. But at this, they will stop. They will be crushed. They will be turned like chaff and blown away in the wind. And when he sets up his kingdom, it will have no resemblance to the kingdoms of this earth. They will all be gone. This is the vision that he saw. This doesn't give a whole lot of details of all the kingdoms that will be there. But it does predict all of them. The Word of God tells us in the book of Revelations that there would be seven kingdoms. Daniel tells us there would be five. Kind of interesting, isn't it? It is not inconsistent. Revelations looks at all of the world empires. Daniel looks at the one empire that is around now and the ones that are to come. When Revelation looks at it for the seven empires, there are two that were already passed, Egypt and Assyria. When Daniel looks at it, they had already gone by. Now we have Babylon and the five that were to come. And so from Daniel to Revelation, we have consistency in how many world empires there would be. From the, after the Romans, there would not be another world empire until they would try and get this clay and iron mixture to bond together to form some kind of strength. But they'll find out that is very fragile and it will break apart in a moment this was the dream this was the interpretation we really want to talk about the gap that he had to jump we know that Daniel was an interpreter of dreams that he had been given the ability to interpret dreams but here was a new challenge the king said I want you to tell me the dream and its interpretation had Daniel ever done this before? <laughs> Probably not. Hadn't even been known to the Chaldeans that this has ever been done before. So Daniel makes an immediate statement. He says right to Ariok, because t- the king's message is urgent. We're going out to, to die right now. He says, look, you tell him to pick a time and I will tell him the dream and its interpretation. So like, the king said, all right, tomorrow morning, whatever it was, whatever time he was going to give him, they had some of the night it was a night vision that came so it had to be sometime in the morning that the king picked or however the time came about and so he was ready to, to meet up but he went to prayer if you want to close a gap between where you are and where you're supposed to be you have to expect to get there if you don't expect to get there you're not closing any gap when Evel Knievel set up a ramp on one side where did he put the ramp on the other side I mean, it's really a simple answer, isn't it? Didn't he put it where he expected to land? (laughs) He expected to get there. That's why he put the ramp there. He didn't put the ramp where he didn't expect to get. He put the ramp where he expected he would land. There has to be that expectation that I expect to get to this place. Abraham was said, you will be a father of many. And what did Abraham do when that one time we looked at just a couple weeks ago? Jesus came out to him and says, uh, I'm going to make you a father of many I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And what's Abraham do? <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. Right. So God had to talk to him about that got him on the right page. And then he comes back three months later and he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations and from you and from Sarah, you're going to have a baby. And what's Sarah do? She's in the tent. She laughed is there expectation no you know there's nothing worse than being an evil Knievel type and putting a ramp at one spot and a ramp at another revving up the motorcycle and getting ready to go up the ramp no one i have no shot at getting there <laughs> i mean that's bad news if you do not have the expectation to get there it's going to affect you because if you're running if you're evil evil and you're revving up the motorcycle and you have any hesitancy at all. And you say, well, I'm not quite sure if I'll make it. I'm not going to go as fast. I'm going to back off just a little bit. What's that going to do for you? More than likely, you're, going to, you're not going to make it. If you weren't going to make it before, you're probably not going to make it now. And it doesn't make it any easier to land. We've got to get rid of the laughing. We've got to get rid of the lack of expectation. If we want to close the gap from where we are to where God expects us to be, I have got to expect to get there. Have to. I must expect to get there. I must know from His Word God wants me to get there. If I don't know from His Word that God wants me to get there, if you only know because brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so told you God wanted you to have that, God wanted you to be there, you're you're not going to get there. you got to know from His Word. And not just in one obscure Scripture. I mean know from His Word. His Word. If God wants you to be there, His Word will teach it to you. There'll be people that got there. You'll have all kinds of stuff that you can fall fall on there. Get into His Word. Find out, God, this is what You said. This is where we're supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to get over there. I'm supposed to have a job. I'm supposed to be healed. I'm supposed to have my finances taken care of. I'm supposed to have wisdom to be a father. I'm supposed to have wisdom to be a mother. I'm supposed to be able to do that. I'm supposed to understand Your Word. You have to have the expectation to get there. You've got to close the gap. But we have a hard time putting ourselves on the line. We look at guys like Evil Knievel who call all the TV people around. I'm going to make this jump. I'm going to do this jump. Remember the Caesar Palace jump? Hey, everybody remembers the Caesar Palace jump. That was one of the most wor- worst wipeouts we've ever seen. And uh, so how many, I forget how many bones he broke in that whole thing. But a lot of them. And it was just tough to, to see. But he got up. He not only walked from that, he got up and went and jumped something else. He wasn't going to be stopped. He has an expectation. He says, I can get there. He built that up inside himself. That's just from a human standpoint. We're looking at it from a divine standpoint. God wants you to build up your expectation and to begin to declare, I will get there. I will do that. Daniel stood up in front of Arioch and said, you tell the king. You tell the king. I will tell him the dream. And I will tell him the interpretation. Does that putting yourself in the line? <laughs> it sure is, isn't it? You've got to begin to do that. But too often we want to say, well, when I get the dream interpretation, then I'll come out and say something. But the king's command is urgent. Does Daniel have time? No. He don't have time. He must declare it now. And there's other people in the word of God who had to do that too. Abraham... Was not always called Abraham. What was he first called? Abram. Then God changed it to Abraham, which means? So every time he went around, he said, Hi, how you doing? I'm Abraham. Oh, father of many. How many kids you got? None. Or one. (laughs) That's not sounding so good, is it? Father of... How old are you? Father of many? How did you get that name? Well, God changed it about a year ago. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? Go around and declare, I will be this, I will have that. But I'll tell you what, the Word of God tells us, if any man lacks wisdom, he should beg of God, and maybe God will give it to him. Isn't that what it says? If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give him a little bit. God will give him liberally. Thank you. (laughs) Liberally. He'll give you bunches of it. But you know what we do? We'll go and we'll pray to God. Oh, God, I don't have any wisdom in this situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to take care of this. Will you please give me some wisdom? Give me some understanding in this situation. And then we go on out from that prayer time and someone comes up to you and says, what are you going to do about that? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I was just laboring in prayer about that today. Oh, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm so nervous. Oh, I'm so scared. Did you put yourself in the line? What should you do? It's simple. You go on out and say, I prayed about that to God and God said He'll give to all men liberally. I thank God that I have a liberal amount of wisdom to take care of that situation. Oh, that's great. Do you know what you're going to do? Well, not yet, but I don't have to do anything yet. As soon as I need to do something, God will tell me what it is I'm supposed to do. I have all the wisdom I need. You, you make that declaration. But instead we go around as Christians. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, I don't know how I'm going to take care of this. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. But yet we went out there and we prayed the word. Father God, I thank you that in your word you tell us in James, that you'll give to all men liberally when they ask for wisdom. I thank you for that li- liberal amount of wisdom. Then we go on out there, oh no, oh dear Lord. Jesus went around making everyone sick and oppressed of the devil, right? I mean, how many meetings did Jesus have where he made everyone sick and oppressed of the devil? Don't you read them? I mean, Jesus went into a whole, they brought a whole multitudes of people there to him, and when they all left, they were all sicker and more oppressed of the devil, Right? How many people left Jesus' meetings sick and oppressed of the devil? None, None, because he went in there and it says in the the Word of God, don't doubt me, doubt what the Word of God says if you want to, but I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) The Word of God says that he healed all of their sick and cast out all the demons. How many times does it say that? Did we ever find Jesus coming up to somebody and saying, you know what? I I can't pray for you because my father wants you ill. I can't cast out the devil on you because (laughs) it's all got it. The Father wants you demon-possessed. Did we ever run into a time when Jesus said that? And yet, how many times do we go to God and say, well, I guess maybe God wants me to carry this sickness around. Because other people have told us that God might want us to carry the sickness around. Even though the Word of God tells us that Jesus went around doing the will of the... which apparently was to cast out all the demons... And to heal all that were sick. The only time he didn't do it, and you're all thinking, well, I know about one time he was over there in Capernaum. Yeah, he couldn't do any mighty work there because of their unbelief, not because of God's will. I'll tell you what, it's a good study. Go through the Gospels and just check out all the times Jesus healed people. Don't take my word for it. But we'll come up with this thing, oh dear, I guess God wants me to be sick. I guess God wants me to have this. No! Either God wants you well or he doesn't. What's his will? Figure it out. Find out what is, what is His will. It is your job to find out. I heard one person say, faith begins where the will of God is known. You've got to know it in order to have faith. How did you know that you could have faith to get saved? Because you found out it was his, was his will. How did you know that you could have faith to be forgiven? Because you found out it was His will. When you found out it was His will for you to be saved, when you found out it was His will for you to be forgiven, when you found out it was His will for you to go to heaven, you had faith for it. you got to have faith for the other things too. But you've got to know what His will is. Not what other people's will is. Not what other people teach you, God says. Go to His word directly and find out what it says. It doesn't do you any good if I know that the will of God is to be healed. You've got to know it for yourself. You can't stand on what I know got to stand on what you know. Well, there's some other people that had to close the gap too. Peter and John. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, they came up to the guy who was lame. About the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, so that he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What I do have I give you. Daniel had the ability to interpret dreams. Peter had the ability to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Jesus told all of them, go out there and do it. I'm telling you to. And they went out and came on back and said, you know what? Even the demons are subject to our names. And they had done it so many times that when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration with His three closest disciples, the nine were down there with a a boy with epilepsy. And they couldn't uh, take care of the situation. And Jesus cast the demon out of them. And later on, the disciples came to Him and said, how come we couldn't cast out the demon? They apparently knew it was a demon. And they apparently said something to cast it out. And Jesus said, this crime comes out only by prayer and fasting. And we have this stupid teaching that comes up that's not a support anyplace else in Scripture that there's prayer and fasting demons. I didn't read where Jesus went and prayed and fasted before He did that. In fact, He even tells the Pharisees otherwise. The Pharisees came to Him and said, how come your disciples don't fast? And they said, well, they won't fast as long as the bridegroom is here. But when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. What's he saying comes out. It's simple. What the problem was, they said, why can we not cast out the demon? And he said, because you didn't pray and fast. No, he said what? Mark chapter nine, I think, if you want to go look it up. I think that's where it's at. Because of your unbelief. But he says, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting, And he's not talking about the demon. He's talking about the unbelief. That was the problem. The demon wasn't the problem. The problem was their unbelief. We've taught him that before. I'm not going to get into it all now. But Peter is sure in faith here now. He says, what I have, I give you. I've got healing power because it was given to me. Not because there's anybody great. He even says this later on in the story. Do you think we healed this man by our own righteousness? By our own power? No, we were given these things and God wanted us to use them. That's why he gave them to us. Get out there and use them. The woman with the issue of blood, she said, I know if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Right? Then she make that declaration. Then she closed that gap really fast. Yes, yeah, she did. Because there's, a, there's something about saying that. There's something about declaring it and walking in it. Daniel said, I'll have it. Peter said, arise and walk. What I do have, I give you. Abraham said, I am a father of many. The woman with the issue of blood said, I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. That's just four. You can go through the Word of God and find a whole lot more than that. There's more of this. So how do we get there? How do we close the gap? How do we get to that place where we can jump the gap ourselves? Because we all like jumping gaps, don't we? I don't know about you, but I know when I was young, when I was a boy, if there was a gap, it just begged to be jumped. It didn't matter what was down in the gap. Because, especially me, probably more so than most boys, I didn't think of what would happen if I didn't make it. Because I always, always fully expected to make it. I never thought of the consequences of what would happen if you don't make it. You just go. We've got to get more of that kind of a walk. We've got to go after these things. Daniel made the jump from the unknown to understanding. He didn't know what the dream was. Therefore, he didn't know what the interpretation was either. He made the jump from the unknown to understanding. He knew what he had. What did he have? The ability to interpret dreams that was given to him by God. He knew where he needed to be. I need to hear the dream, I need to see the dream, and I need to give the interpretation. And to use what had been given to produce what he needed. This is where we're lacking, folks. We are not using what we have to produce what we need. I've got to use what I have to produce what I need. What faith do you have now? To produce what you need. But so often we're looking there and said, Oh, if I only had more faith. When I get more faith, then I'll be able to do that. When I get more understanding, then I'll be able to do that. No. Use what you have now. What would you think if you saw a farmer, and the farmer's out there, and he's only got you know, 100 pounds of seed. And he's got farm I don't know how much 100 pounds of seed covers, but he's got more acreage than 100 pounds of seed will cover. So he says, Well, I'll just wait until I get some more. What would you think about that farmer? Say, silly guy, sow what you've got, harvest it, and you'll have more, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we're just like the farmer who sits there, well, i only got 100 pounds. i, I got to wait for another couple hundred pounds, When well, i got another couple hundred pounds, then I'll sow. No, sow the hundred pounds, you'll reap back more, and you'll have more. Put to work what you've got. Every single person here has faith. You have some faith. You cannot be saved without faith. Everyone has faith. When Jesus comes to the disciples in that story we just looked at a few weeks ago, and He quiets the storm, and He turns to them and says, where is your faith? Where is your, where's your faith? Where did it go? You had it. You got, you got faith. Where did it go? Folks, our, our faith is going AWOL on us. But we have it. Use faith. What you have. When he went out there and he gave the, 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 the one and the two and the five, they all produced different results, but he wants you to use what you have. He didn't exhort the guy who had two for only using two. That's all you had. Use what you got. Use what you have to produce what you need. If you can say, I need to get to that spot, but this is all that I've got, then use it and make the declaration. The hardest thing in the world, I think, to do is that first time you declare something that is not yet as though it was. Funny, that'll be in the Word of God, huh? <laughs> it is in the Word of God. You all know that. That's what the Word of God tells us to do. To declare those things that be not as though they were. There are, I've told you this story many times. But there are so, so often that here on even on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night and I'll get to teaching about things and a question will come up in, inside me. And I'll declare it to you as if next week I'll have the answer and I have no idea what the answer is. I have no, no idea. I'm thinking, man, that's a good question. I wonder what the answer to that is. But out of my mouth will come next week, we'll cover that. <laughs> because I know if I put a demand on it, it comes. And you know what? It comes. Sometimes it comes Sunday morning. The next Sunday morning. Sometimes you'd like that to come a little sooner. But I don't get nervous about it anymore. I don't sit there and say Saturday night, Oh, I don't have the end, I don't know what that is. Oh, and tomorrow it's Sunday. Oh No, I no, don't do it. I go to bed. Sleep. Get up when I'm supposed to get up. Get going on it. Pray. All of a sudden, there it is. Yeah, that's it. Okay. But you've got to sit out there and declare it. You've got to go to the doctor sometimes and say, The doctor says you're going to die. I will not die. <laughs> no, I won't die. You have to declare it sometimes. And I know some people say, no, nah, i, I got to see it first. Boy, if only there was a place in the Word of God where Jesus dealt with someone who wanted to see it first. Oh, if only there was a story somewhere in the Word of God where somebody approached Jesus and said, if I see it, then I'll believe it. Oh, yeah, there is one. Yeah, there is Remember that fellow by the name of Thomas? Huh. Jesus really liked him in the end, didn't he? He had such good things to say about Thomas. Ah, What about the, the generation when the nobleman came to Jesus? And he says, you all want to see it. Getting tired of all you folks want to see it. Not quite like that, but you can go back to the nobleman story and see how he dealt with them. We just covered that not too long ago as well. I've got to use what I have been given to produce what I have need of. What do you have need of? I have need of a raise. I have need of a job. I have need of healing. I have need of wisdom. I have need of healing in relationships or whatever. Whatever it might be that you need. Use what you have. What do you have? There's forgiveness that you have. Just walk in forgiving people. Well that's nothing to do. How do you know? Walk with what you know. Walk in what you have. Lay hands on some people. For a headache. Well, I'm not ready to lay hands on people who are, have liver disease, but cancer. Or stuff. Well, then lay hands on somebody who's got a headache. Lay hands on somebody who's got a cold. Put to to work what you've got so that you can produce what you need. People who just sat around waiting for the thing to find them don't usually find it. you got to get out there and begin to put it to work. Father God, this is what you said in your word. I'm going to go out there and do that. And if you go through the Word of God, you will find many, many more times. We just looked at uh, four examples here. Mostly spent time on Dan- Daniel. But just looked at the four examples of people who declared things before they happened so that they would. And they walked in it. This is what we need to do. Know what you have. Know what you're in need of. And use what you have been given to produce what you need. For Daniel, he saw himself possessing what he did not yet have. I've got that dream. I've got that interpretation. You've got to see yourself possessing it. Abraham had to see himself as a father of many before he would become one. He had to see himself as it. God even came down and said, look, we've got to change your name. This just isn't working out. We've been waiting 24 years for you to get here. I'm going to change your name, get you over here. You've got to see it. You've got to see yourself having that job. You've got to stop laughing when you hear somebody say, oh, I I got a, I was praying and God gave me a word. You're going to get a job this week. <laughs> Boy, like that'll happen. What are we doing? The exact same thing Abraham did. The exact same thing Sarah did. See, it's worse if women do it. That's that's scriptural. It's it is. It's worse if women do it. It's okay if men do it. It's bad if women do it. I have scripture on that. Because Abraham laughed and God didn't rebuke him. Sarah laughed. How come you laughed? What did you laugh for? I know it. you laughed. He didn't do that with Abraham. So see, it's okay if men laugh. Women, be on your toes. Don't laugh. <laughs> now you all know I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> got to have some fun. No, it's the same for all of us. We all got to walk in faith. Don't laugh. Get yourself. If you do laugh, then you realize I got a problem. There's a, <laughs> there's a gap I'm going up the ramp, but I'm not giving myself enough speed. I'm trying to go halfway at this thing. You can't do it. Go all out. Yeah, but if I go tell people that I have that job, if I tell people I have that raise, if I tell people I have that healing, what do they think of me when it doesn't happen? Yeah. There's your problem. You have no hope. You have no expectation. You have wish. You have a fond wish that that would happen. But you don't have Bible hope because you don't know from the Word that it's God's will that that happened for you. That's where your problem is. You can change your confession all you want to. You can speak all kinds of nice words, but until you change the fact that you get into the Word of God and find out what His Word says, what His will says for you, and walk in that, it will not change for you. But you can close the gap by using what you have to get what you need. God has equipped you with all you need to get it but you just got to put it to work stop sitting there and saying oh i don't have enough The example we looked at that last week david could have certainly said i don't have enough strength to go up against goliath and no one would have argued with him he could have certainly said i don't have enough strength to go up against the bear i don't have enough strength to go up against a lion and he had enough people telling him all day long you are nothing you are worthless you are no good stop telling those stories but he didn't believe it. He believed something different. And you've got to get there too. Expect it. Know it. Get into his word. It is not good enough that you hear ten preachers preach on the thing to get you convinced. You have got to study it in his word and know it from his word. You have got to. Build up that hope. That hope that says, I know that's mine. The same way that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are saved. The same way that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're going to heaven. The same way that you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God loves you. That same kind of convincing, you've got to get on these other areas as well. You became convinced on those things through the Word of God. You're not going to get convinced on anything else outside of it. If you want to get healed over a thing, you've got to find out what the Word of God says about healing. Not what brother or sister so-and-so did. Or not how it didn't work for sister or brother so-and-so. You've got to know what the Word of God says. Because there's a whole lot of people who don't live up to the Word of God. God's not impressed with them. But the Word of God is out there for you to live up to. The Word of God is out there to work for you. There's a whole lot of people touching Jesus. But it was a woman with the issue of blood who said, if I touch the hem of His garment, I know I shall be healed. There's only one person who drew power off of that. Even though there's a whole mess of people touching Him. Just because you're around Jesus, just because you know Jesus, just because you... One something doesn't mean it's coming your way. When Jesus turned to the woman with the issue of blood, He didn't say I, that happened because I liked you better. Why did it happen? Because of your faith. Because she had become convinced from what she had heard about Jesus, what she had, the reports she heard people telling her, and we, we went to the Word of God before on that and showed you how people came up and just touched them and got healed and she heard about that. She followed after herself. She received it. A whole lot of folks can go up and touch Jesus. Not a whole lot of folks can get it. They could. He wants them to. He wasn't upset with the woman with the issue of blood getting healed. He's not upset with you getting what you need. He wants you to get what you need. Just like He wanted the disciples to take care of the storm. But they didn't. He wanted the disciples to take care of the demon-possessed boy. When He came down from the mountain, he found out they didn't. He wanted the disciples to go into town and to bring back the citizens of the town for a revival. But they didn't. So He sent the Samaritan woman in instead. There's a whole lot of things God wants, folks. But He's only going to get it if we put to work what we have. Do stand up with me? Father, we thank You for You are such a great God. You have given to each one of us not only a measure of faith, but also of gifts and talents and abilities for you to use. Whatever it is that we need in this life, we certainly, certainly can get there. Certainly, Father, whatever it is that we have need of, it is there for us to get. Father, we thank you for it. You desire that we be healed in this life. You desire that we walk forgiven you desire that our financial needs be taken care of just as you said. I take care of the sparrows, I take care of their they're, they're fed, they're clothed. Why would I take care of you? Help us father become convinced of what your word says despite what all the other people have told us you you want. We got to know what your word says. Oh, we thank you for it. Glory to God.